So, uh, hey, I just want to say, if you're new, you're in the right place. I love that you're here. My name is Pastor Rod. And, uh, hey, next week, you know, we're going to begin a series, a four-week four series called Be Fearless. And I don't know about you, but sometimes fear can really undermine your life. So we're just going to drill down on that. Uh, on my study break, I really felt God kind of impressing on me on a personal level, how fear can hold me back, hold us back. So we're going to begin that next week. It's going to be awesome. I want to invite you to be a part of that. So if you're new, one of the things that we do as a church is on Sunday mornings is we go through books of the Bible. And we're going through the book of Colossians, and we're finishing that today, Colossians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. And so just a minute, we're going to be reading that. But what we do is we read the Bible, we explain the Bible, and we apply the Bible. That's what we do. So really simple. Uh, we teach, we unpack the timeless truth of scriptures. And so if you're new to church, this is a great time to come because you're going to see God's uh, desire and what he would want to do in your life as we unpack this this morning. So one of the anchor verses that we looked at in Colossians 1.13, just going to read it for your remembrance, says this, for he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who has purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. And so who you are in Christ, if you are a Christ follower, everything that he is, he is in you. And so today's message is entitled, People of the Fine Print. Could you all say that with me? People of the Fine Print. And so uh, Paul's in prison. And while he's in prison, he develops some friendships. And we're going to unpack those friendships. In fact, there's 11 friendships there. So he's going to talk about his inner circle. He's going to talk about it's sort of a, a group picture. And what he's going to begin to do is give a shout out. He's going to shout out to this person and that person. All the people that impacted his life there. And it's like this. It's like God the Holy Spirit is tapping him on the shoulder while he's in jail and saying, Paul! Give a shout out to so and so. Give a shout out to Onesimus. Give a shout out to Epaphras and Artistarchus and Archibus. Give a shout out to Paul and Barnabas. So he's giving shout outs. And so, um, so it's like a, a group portrait of these really special people that was in his journey here. And I get it that when you read, you know, when we read something like Colossians chapter four, there's a bunch of hard to produce names. How many people just like to hit the fast forward button when you see all those hard to pronounce names? You know you do it. You know you do it. And so you read it and it's kind of like, ugh, blah, 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 blah. And it's kind of blah, blah, all these names here and everything. So it's kind of boring there. But let me say this. These people are normal people like you and me. There's no stars here. There's no, you know, star like Peter or James or John. All of the stars are left out. These are not the big names. These are the people of the fine print here. And I think a problem we have in culture is this, is we tend to lift up and deify and celebrate, you know, the superstars, you know, the LeBron James, you know, who's come to Los Angeles to save the Lakers, you know. And we just all look up, come on, I'm a Laker fan too. We look up, if you're a Laker fan, give a good shout out. That was pathetic. If you're a good Laker fan, give a real shout out. Okay, why don't you just follow the Clippers then for... So anyways, 
LeBron's going to save the Lakers. We love LeBron, you know, okay? So now we're all LeBron fans. But you know what? In the Bible, there's no, like, not to be superstars like this. So we have 11 people that are written into the story of God here, just like you and me. No heavy hitters, no all-stars here, you know, no Peter, James, and John, just these hard-to-pronounce names here. And everybody in church this morning, you have the same opportunity as them to be written into God's story here. This is written by Almighty God. And so as we share these about these names, I want you to realize and to ask yourself, is my life intersecting with their life? Is my story intersecting with their story? When we go through this list of not random names, these are names that are there for a reason. These are extraordinary people who will inspire you and teach you and point to you what God wants to do in your life. And so Paul is saying, I want to thank these people, all the people that have been with me behind the scenes. So in your notes, God appoints people for roles in his story, okay? And God has a role for you in, in the, his story too. That's what I want you to see as we read this, okay? So I'm going to read this because the names are just hard to pronounce. So if you'd stand to your feet, the scriptures will be on the screens. You have your notes there. And uh, so beginning Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, I'm going to read through verse 18. Tychicus, I will read it for you. Tychicus will give you a full report about how I'm getting along. He's a beloved brother and a faithful helper who serves with me in the Lord's work. And I sent him to you for this very purpose, to let you know how we're doing and to encourage you. And I'm sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus are going to tell you everything that's happening here. That is the church in Colossae. Uh, 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 what's happening in prison in Rome to the church in Colossae. Aristarchus, who's in prison with me, sends you his greetings. So does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. A little shout out to him. And as you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. Jesus, not the Messiah, the one who's called Justice, also sends his greetings. And there are only Jewish believers among my co-workers, and they're working with me here for the kingdom of God. And what a comfort that they've been. Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He prays earnestly for you, asking God to make you strong and perfect, fully confident that you are following the whole will of God. And I can assure you that he prays hard for you and also for the believers in Laodicea and Hierapolis. And Luke, the beloved doctor, sends his greetings and so does Demas. Please give my greetings to the brothers and sisters of Laodicea and to Nympha and the church which meets in her house. And after you've read this letter, pass it on to the church in Laodicea so they can read it too. And you should read the letter that I wrote them. And say to our Chippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Here's my own greeting in my own handwriting, Paul. Remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. You may be seated. And Heavenly Father, thank you that we can be here this morning, that we could, we have the privilege and honor to be able to open the scriptures, the living word, uh, breathed by God, inspired by God. Father, I pray it would come alive in our hearts, and Lord, that you would speak to us and strengthen us, that you would encourage and equip and shape our understanding of how you view us and how we should live in, in the world today. In Jesus' name, amen. So Paul now 
he ran with this group of people that we just ran about. This is his inner circle. This is, this is who he runs with here. And I want to show you, but it's kind of a way of kind of a general observation, introduction, that Paul does not just run with a bunch of nice guys. How many people know that you become like the people you run with, right? I mean, you may remember back in the day, you know, when you were a moron, you were running with morons. You know what I'm saying? When back in school and you were an idiot, you know, because stupid runs off, idiot rubs off, moron rubs off here, stupid just, all of that rubs off. So this is his inner circle here. And so these are the people that he did life with here. And what I want us to see is this. They're not just a bunch of nice guys. I mean, these are guys, they are ferocious, they are faithful, they're fearless. They're no back down type of individuals here. He doesn't say, let me tell you about Tychicus, man. He's an awesome Laker fan. Uh, let me tell you about Onesimus. You should, you should see his cool chariot. I mean, it's awesome, you know. He's not saying things like, you know what, uh, let me tell you about Epaphras. He is so, he's so funny, you know. Nothing like that. What he's saying here is like, these guys, they are legit, these are legit men of God, legit women of God. These are hitters. I like to think of it this way. They're like in beast mode. I mean, they're like beast mode Christ followers that are, that are all in here. And so, and I say that for this reason, because there's this kind of this American church mindset that looks like this. Here's what it looks like. I go to church on Sunday. So God and I were cool. I go to church on Sunday, so we're cool. And what Paul is saying is like, no, you're not cool. Who you run with is everything. Uh, we need to talk about the people of the fine print. Uh, we need to talk about the people of the fine print in your own life here. And so thank you for that resounding amen. It's just overwhelming me this morning with your affirmation. So verse 7 says this. It says, Tychicus is going to give you a full report how we're getting along. He's faithful. He serves. He's going to encourage you. And so what an awesome description of a human being here. As in he's faithful. Okay, He's a guy that encourages here. He's a serving guy. In other words, here's the guy. There's, here's what he understands. Tychicus understands this. Life is better when you are not at the center. How many people you hang around with selfish people? You know, it's all about them all the time. This guy, he serves. He understood that life is better when you are not at the center here. And he says, you know what? This is a guy, it's not supervisional. We've got this tight bond. Like we are connected here. It literally means this, that we're from the same womb. I mean, we're, we're that close. We're like We're like from the same parents there. That's how close that I am to this guy here. He's loyal. He's dependable. I want you to think about this because it says here, he's an encourager. How many people could use a little encouragement in your life? Come on. You need a Tychicus. We'll call him Ty. You need a Ty in your life here. He says, like, he's going to go and he's going to encourage your hearts. I mean, when this guy shows up at the church in Colossae, man, he's going to lift you up. He's going to fire you up. He's going to encourage you. Uh, you're going to get a new, a new a kick in your step there. He's going to speak words of encouragement. I mean, it's going to be awesome. And Paul says, I appreciate this guy. You need a tie in your life, in the, in the fine uh, print people in your life here. He says, I appreciate his friendship. I appreciate his camaraderie. This is a guy that supports me. He stands with me. We're doing life together here. And, uh, and this is, Paul is saying, this is how I roll. 
I roll with guys like Tychicus, and that's, I think, uh, all that to say this, is that I really believe that this passage is telling us that's who you need in your life. You need someone like that in your life that will encourage you, that stands with you there, that you feel like I was born out of the same womb as this person here, because this is God's plan. Listen to me. This is God's plan for your well-being. So I would just ask you, have you found this person in your life? Have you found them? They are there for you. They're going to stand by your side and support you, but you need to find them. That's what Paul did. Now, moving from Tychicus to Onesimus. By the way, these are not Bible names you want to name your kids, okay? I'm also sending Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. He's one of you. He and Tychicus are going to tell you everything that's happening. So here's what happens. Onesimus and Tychicus, they're bringing the letter that Paul wrote in prison from Colossae, uh, I mean, from Rome to Colossae. At a risk, it was a, uh, an arduous, difficult journey here. Now, I want to point something out here because Onesimus has a past. Anybody in the room have a past? You've got a past. I've got a past. Okay, so he's got a past, but I want you to notice something. There is no mention of his past. I mean, there's nothing here about his past here whatsoever. All he is is a fugitive, a felon, a criminal, okay, on the 10 most wanted list in Rome, and the death penalty if he gets caught once for what he did here. A crazy story, a former bad guy, who robbed and ripped off his boss, loads his pockets with cash, bolts for Rome, where he's not going to be seen in the biggest city there in the world there, I'm going to live a new life. And if he got caught, it was a death penalty. And so all of that baggage, all of that past, Paul says, Onesimus, the guy is like awesome. He's faithful. He's beloved. You know, you know, you know who, who he is here. And so, uh, and, and all he did was lie and cheat, okay? And, uh, and he doesn't see anything like he stole and he's a thief and he's a betrayer and he's a runaway. None of that. No mention of his past there. No mention that he's, he has an undesirable past. He doesn't say, hey, you need to know about the Colossian convict. You need to know about the Colossian con man. Yeah, it's Onesimus. Nothing mentioned whatsoever there. Then say, so you know what? The guy's a loser. He doesn't say he's a bad guy. He's a felon. He's a slave. Nothing. He just says, this guy, he rocks. Even though his life was a mess. Even though he ripped off Philemon, the next, you know, in the Bible that tells his story here. So this is what we know about him. This is what we know. The grace of God was like chasing him down. The grace of God was like after him. The love of God was after him. So try to get your minds around this. So after he bolts, after he rips off Philemon, after he goes, you know, to Rome there, the biggest city in the world... What are the chances he just might bump into the great Apostle Paul? And he does. He bumps into the great Apostle. And there he says, he says to him, Hey, I know you and I know what happened to you. And he leads him to Christ and his life has completely changed there. And you see that God is a God of the second chance here. And I'd like you to just think about this. After then, and then he gives him a letter, Paul gives him a letter, the letter to Philemon, gives it to Onesimus to give to Philemon to say, forgive this guy. I know he deserves a death penalty, but just forgive him. 
So now imagine that. Imagine that there is Onesimus coming with the letter to Philemon, the guy that he ripped off. There should be the death penalty. And he gives him the letter and says, this is from Paul and he wants you to forgive me. Do you think there may have been a little tension? Little drama, little friction? In your notes, there's always going to be relational friction as there was there in every church. As long as there are people like Onesimus, there are problems. But you know what the story screams? The story screams out to us, and it screams this here, that you can never run away from God there, that he's not going to keep running after you. See, God is a God that loves the runaway. God is a God that loves Onesimus, the felon who deserved to be in prison here. And you know what's even more um, just like God awesome is this, is it after that, okay, and you go down the road, church historians write all about him and they write about the guy that used to, that, uh, that ran off to Rome. It's in church history, full, church history uh, is full of this. And so, and here's what happened. Onesimus becomes a pastor. The former felon becomes a pastor, becomes a pastor of the church of Ephesus, which was one of the most influential and largest churches in the ancient world. He was that guy and became that guy in Christ here. And so I wanted to say this. The story tells us there is no past, nothing that you've done, nowhere that you've been that can keep you from God's grace. What an incredible redemptive story. So why share that? This is why. Here's what I know to be true. And here's what I know to be true about you. I know this to be true about you. Is that all of us, we have a story. And part of the story, you know, is uh, uh, there's the story plus this, plus this, plus this, and it equals you today sitting here. And part of that story is this, is that part of the equation is there's a shame factor. And everybody, you have something you can point to. It's like, yeah, I have shame about that. And that shame factor can undermine you, can undermine really what God would want to do in your life. And so here's Onesimus. All that he did there, he had a story, and you have a story. And you have, a, you have that shame factor that could wreck your life. Maybe it was prison, maybe it's drugs, porn, whatever. You messed up your life, you hurt yourself, you hurt others. Whatever it is, but you have that in your life, just like Onesimus. And you can feel like this. Oh, gosh. If you only knew, like, God could never use me. I beg to differ. Look at Onesimus. Look at his life and who he became here. So I think sometimes God puts these stories in the Bible that when you read them, you just want to read past them and miss the fact that God wants to to work in you like he did in Onesimus and reset your thinking here. A former slave becomes a pastor and rocks the ancient world for Jesus. I mean, that's amazing. And so in your notes there, point number four, God expects us to serve him regardless of our past. Regardless of your past, God expects you to serve him. And so imagine how churches could be different if people didn't just attend church, but they became owners. And they said, you know what, I'm going to buy in and I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to buy in to what God is doing there. And so the next name is Artistarchus and says, 
who's in prison with me, sends you his greetings, and Mark and Barnabas, there gets a little shout out there. So here's what happens. Artisarchus was just a friend of Paul. Kind of like you have friends you just hang out with, you go shopping with, and do stuff with. He had this friend, but Paul was a marked man there under the horrific regime and the insanity of Nero. And he's thrown in this awful hellhole of a prison, but he's got this cellmate named Artisarchus, who is his buddy. They're friends there. And so what happened there in Acts chapter 19, verse 29, Paul there is, is, uh, gets mobbed because people hated him because of his ministry and all. And a riot breaks out and they want to kill him. And it's just crazy, tumultuous. And there's Artistarchus with him. And he gets thrown into prison with Paul, probably because of his association there. And so uh, that's what happens. So they're doing prison together. And he's like his friend there that is ministering to him and just being with him. Sometimes, how many know you just need people that'll be with you? Yeah, you know, you just need people to be with you. And so, and then there's Paul and Barnabas and Mark. Let me say a few words about Mark. Mark now, Mark, something happens. Mark goes sideways. He goes AWOL. He's with Paul, Barnabas, and Mark, and Mark's kind of following along, you know, with his hero Barnabas there and the hero Paul, and something happens. They kind of get into it. Mark can't handle the heat, and it doesn't seem like he has the stuff, and Mark's like, done. Mark's gone. Mark's, you know, he didn't start off very good there, but we're going to read about him in just a moment here, and he says, Mark, you know, welcome him if he shows up. So uh, he ended good. Then verse 11 says, Jesus, not the Messiah, also sends greetings and talks about how they're working with me. And he says, and they've comforted me. Now, I want you to see this because here's what happens. He has this guy named Justice that's with him, and he comforted him. Now, in the original language, comfort, Greek word, uh, speaks of uh, giving medicine or uh, medicinal purposes. So either the guy, either Paul was going through hell right now and needed to have, you know, some kind of um, medicine to help him there, or emotionally he was just going through it. But nonetheless, justice comes alongside of him there, and he helps him in a, in a practical way, comforting him there and helping him there when he's in prison. And so uh, then verse 12, Epaphras, a member of your own fellowship and a servant, prays earnestly. That God would make you strong and perfect and you do the whole will of God. So here's what's happened. Paul admires this guy. He admires Epaphras and he says this. He says, hey, one of the guys, you know, in my fine print, you need to know this about Epaphras. This guy, he clings to the feet of God. He clings to the feet of God for you there. and You just need to know about him. He prays hard. I mean, this guy sweats over you in his prayers here. He says, you know, and I know we tend to struggle in, in prayer and all, but uh, if we could just do a little bit of that, just kind of praying, you know, for the church and have others that would pray for you here. Because the community needs, says that you would be strong, that you do the whole will of God. And this community, you know, the Inland Empire needs this church and churches that we would be strong and that we would do the whole will of God here. And so, and then he says, Luke, the beloved doctor sends greetings and so does Demas. Now I want, to, want you to get this about Luke because he's a specialized talent. 
A lot of you in here, you have a specialized talent. And Luke, you're a smart guy, white jacket, went to school for many years here. And so uh, he says, Luke, the beloved doctor. Some people would think like, well, what can a doctor do? You know, what's a doctor going to do in the church? All he did was write the gospel of Luke. You know, with his medical mind there, could explain things in medical terms that none of the other gospel writers could do to see how awesome were the miracles. And then he wrote, you know, the book of Acts. That's all he, he did there. But he talks about a guy who has specialized talent. Like you. Like, I think he could say, hey, I just want to write about the other people with specialized talents. Like the healthcare professionals. I like the stay-at-home moms. I like the lawyers and the architects the computer engineers, and don't forget the mechanics. Don't forget the business owners. Don't forget the artists, you know. Don't forget, you know, the creative types. Don't forget the retail workers. All these people with special talents that God has given you skills that are not just for you. He says, thank the beloved doctor with the special gifts. Your fifth point there, that God expects all of us, if you're a Christ follower, watch, to surrender your talent and resources to his service, to leverage those things for his service. And so, just like Dr. Luke. And then he says, sends his greetings, and so does Demas. Can somebody tell me what happened to Demas? Does anybody know what happens to Demas? The reality is we don't know what happened to Demas. But we do know this. Some of the very last words that Paul would write in Second Timothy, the last epistle he ever wrote. Second Timothy chapter 4 Verse 10, Paul says this, writing his chain, you know, to uh, his chain in jail. And he says, he says, hey, he says, tell Demas, you know, Demas has forsaken me. Having loved uh, this present world, and Demas, he, he went off to Thessalonica. Those are the last words written over his life. He forsook me. And perhaps it was the relentless temptation of the wealthy cosmopolitan city that he couldn't get enough of that. You know, and so this is what happened in his life. At one point he was like this. Okay, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, what, what, oh, okay. Yes. And he's saying yes to God. But then he's like looking at Thessalonians. Oh, it's just, it's so awesome. So great. He's like, yes, God. Yeah. Uh, um, um, hmm. Uh, no. Thessalonica. Yeah. Bring it on, baby. He's all, now he's all about Thessalonica. He says, Demas has forsaken me, loved the world, and went off to Thessalonica. See, something happened there. And so he's like this. At one time, he starts off great. He was on Team Paul. In the beginning there, he's, you know, what better start than you have can, than to be like discipled by the greatest Christian that ever lived. That's how we started here. But after a while, it's like, he's like, hmm, yeah, Paul, yeah, eternal things. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go after Thessalonica. Thanks, but no thanks. I, I'm, I'm going to live a new life. And, and uh, it's all, now for me, it's all about my stuff. And uh, now I just want stuff, Thessalonica, all that. That's, that's where I'm going here. And when you read here, like, there's nothing to say about him. Just like uh, Demas, yeah, he said hi. But there's nothing to say here. Um, he began well, but he didn't end well. Oh, what about your life? What about your life? Do you, do you want to be like Mark, who didn't really start well, but ended well? Or like Demas, who started well, 
but didn't end well. The message is don't be like Demas. You see here, he went sideways. He kind of, he kind of just AWOLs and belly flops. You know, he just, he just blows up. He just he drops out. And so a story for us here. And so verse 15. I give my greetings to our brothers and our sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha on the church that meets in her house. Now check this out. She gets her name in the Bible forever because she just opened up her home so people could gather. Just opened her home here. How many people would be willing to open up your home so people could gather? How many would be willing to do that? I mean, in this context, she gets her name in the Bible for doing that. She helped build the church by just opening her home and inviting people in. And maybe for you, it's a small home. Maybe it's a motor home. Maybe it's a boat, you know. But you open up what God has given you to help build, build the church there. You know, uh, some people say, well, you know what? If you, if you ever saw my, my place, it's really small. Well, let me tell you about my mother-in-law's place. They live in Newport Beach, and they attend a Rock Harbor church. And they have people over all the time. And so I'm down there every month. I, there's, there's no bed for me. So I sleep. I've been doing this for years. I sleep on the floor in front of the TV because there was like no room. Like the TV, there's this little space that I squeeze in, coffee table, and the couch. And I'm telling you, there is just no space. I'll bet it's not 400 square feet or it can't be much more. I mean, it is like really small. And so, and you know what? They have people over all the time. I, I asked one time, I said, like, where do they sit? Like, do they sit on the floor? Like, where can they sit this place? And they'll have 10, 12 people, like, like all the time. Big parties all the time. Just, you know, like Nympha here, you know, letting people, the church, meet in their house there. And so it's awesome. Verse 16. And after you read this letter, pass it on to the church of Laodicea so they can read it too and then flip their letter and you read it. So check this out. Check this out. We're going to talk about a guy, Archippus, and, uh, and Paul's going to drill down on him a little bit here in verse 17. He says, hey, be sure you carry out the ministry God gave you to do. And if Archippus is like, you know what, I don't, I don't know if I want to do it. Like, I, I'm not so sure. And Paul said, hey, look at Onesimus. Look at, Ep- you know, Epaphras and Artistarchus and Archippus, you need to be like them. And Barnabas and, and Mark, you need to be like them. I don't know if I want to do that. I think I'll go to the church down the road there, you know. I know I'm going to go to sanctuary. I don't want to hear about that. I'm going to go down the road to the packing house. Well, at the packing house, they're going to be reading the letter because they're flipping, they're switching letters around, right? And then the packing house, they're reading, hey, Archippus, you can't run, buddy. Do the ministry God's called you to. And then, well, I don't know about that. I think I'll go to another church. And then it goes up to Trinity. And and Trinity, hey, hey, Archippus. Fulfill the ministry that God gave you. See, they're, they're passing the letters around. This letter goes to the church at Laodicea and Hierapolis. And so it's like, you couldn't run. You're going to keep hearing, hearing the same thing. So say to Archippus, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord gave you. Now notice Archippus, he's not a pastor. Never been to seminary. Uh, has no degrees. But he says this. Okay. Be sure to carry out what you received. In other words, God has given this to you, and you just need to carry out what God is giving to you. And that's the message for us here, that you are drafted to do this thing. Uh, he's not a clergy. He's a normal guy, people of the fine print. So in your notes there, I believe God is, wants to remind us that 
every member of God's family is a minister with a ministry. Do you believe that? Or do you just believe, you know, the, the whole thing, you know, the, the concept of church conceived in the mind of Almighty God, the Creator, was just that people would just gather to sit in rows on Sunday and that would be it? Is that it? Or are you a minister with a ministry? That is the point here. And so God gave that ministry to him. And so if I could just like look at everyone one-on-one, and can I just like go through the rows and just like look at you and say your name, this is what I, what I would do. I would say, hey, you know what? I would say, be sure to carry out your ministry. Noah, David, okay, Amy, Michelle, Amy, Lauren, Todd, Andrew, Abe, Sherry, all of you, I would just say, carry out the ministry that God gave you. And so, like, like, hear God's word for your own life here. And what that looks like for some of us is like, well, I don't, I don't know what my ministry looks like. So that's okay. Sometimes you got to experiment. Sometimes you, you know, you just experiment and explore, and then eventually you, you, you lean into it, you know, and you identify it, and then you kind of get a, you know, a little equipped and all there, and then, uh, and then you do it. And that's what he's saying. And so, who knows here if Chip, I'm tired of all these long names, trying to see all these long, if Chip was just, maybe he was distracted, maybe he was discouraged, maybe he'll detour. Paul would say, hey, Chip, let's get back on, let's get back in the groove, get, get back in the game and fulfill, you carry on the ministry that God gave you. And so, uh, so step out. I know it's scary. I know it's scary. But you can serve here. You can do this. So I just want to ask you to join me. Join me in this one and only life, this one and only adventure. We're together and serve together and carry this out together. Right on? I'll give you a chance to redeem yourself. Right on? And so there's a game-changing truth here in the 95th verse. This is a game-changing truth. And many of you need to hear this. Many of you here this morning, this is for you, and you need to hear this. And so in the last verse, Paul writes, here's my greeting in my own handwriting. Paul, what does he say to remember? Remember all the great letters that I've written inspired by God. Remember all the churches that I've served. Let me tell you about all the great things that I've done here. Let me tell you about how I've suffered. What's he say? Remember my chains. Why would he do that? Why, of all the things he could say, why would he say, remember my change? Remember, he just told Archippus, dude, get, up, get on with it. And then he says, as if like Archippus going, yeah, but you don't know. You don't know about my life here. You don't know about my limitations. You don't know about my condition. You don't know about my medical condition. You don't know about my health. You don't know about the impede. Paul would say, you don't know about the impediment of prison. And Paul would say, hey, hey, Archippus, and hey, church, remember my chains. Like, I wrote this with my own hand, not at some nice, nice little desk here with a nice chair. I was in prison, and, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm locked by a prison chain to the wall there. And with my hand, I wrote this very thing, shackled to a wall for my faith here. And in that condition, remember my chains. Remember what I did. And so... As if to say this to us, as if to say this, as if God were to say, hey, I know your condition. 
Uh, I know what's going on. I, I understand the stress. I understand things are upside down. But watch, watch. Um, that doesn't stop God. Paul's saying, look, I wrote the letter. I wrote the letter. Remember my chains. Whatever, whatever your chains are, that doesn't stop God from doing what he wants to do in you like he did here in the Apostle Paul. Remember my chains. Because something more, much more powerful than your location or your condition is your spiritual position in Christ, that you are in him. And all that he is, is in you. And you can reach your full potential. And, you, and nothing can stop what God wants to do in you. So finally in your notes there, there is no circumstance, there's no circumstance in life that can stop Almighty God from accomplishing through your life exactly what he intends to accomplish. You see, he's a mighty God and he can work through your chains, just as he worked through the chains of the great apostle. And I would ask you this morning, so what are your chains and what are you going through? Or what do you face? Or what are your limitations or your conditions? You know, what is your pain? What is the box, you know, that you feel confined in there that would hold you back from Archippus? Carry on your ministry. And so Paul says, hey, I just want to tell you about the people of the fine print. I just want to tell you about 11 ordinary people, not the heavy hitters and not the stars. They're just ordinary people like you and like me. And these are the people here that God used in my life here. And I just wonder, Paul had his people of the fine print, and I just wonder about you. Who are your people of your fine print? Who is your Epaphras that prays for you? Who's your Archippus? Who's your Tychicus? Who is it that you have opened up? Because here what I know to be true is many of us were fearful in relationship. I don't don't know if I want to go there. I don't know if I want to go there. I was like that too. I was very much like that. And I had to learn to open up my life to people. That there could be a people of the fine print in my life too. This is not just blah, 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 blah. This is the word of the Lord, inspired by Almighty God, with a message for us that he wants to help us. But it begins with the people of the fine print. So if we could bow our heads in prayer. Father, just thank you. There is no one like you, no one like the incomparable Jesus who is supreme and sufficient in everything. I only want to praise you because you started it all and you created us in your image. And you gave us the privilege to be in relationship with you for all time. And you are the God who is above everything. And you are worthy of our lives. And you are worthy of our affection. And you are worthy to be given praise. And Father, we want to respond to you in these closing moments. And and these are holy moments. And so may we receive all that you have for us. Father, may we respond to all that you are and all that you have done with all that we are. And may we hear your voice. Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? For some of us, 
Perhaps it's, hey, it's time to take a step. Perhaps it's, perhaps it's to serve with your special talents. Maybe to open your home. Maybe to begin to look for the people of the fine print and be open to some new friends or develop more of a relationship with the church, develop more of a relationship with God, take a step toward getting connected or serving or whatever God would make real to you. So we're just going to pause for a moment and then we're going to worship. It's going to give us the gift of just a moment to be still.